0: Uh, we've been in a teaching series uh, called Spirit Born, looking at the Holy Spirit, looking at its, at its power, uh, but, but specifically how the Spirit works through gifts and, and works through, through worship. Uh, Jesus told uh, Nicodemus he said unless you are born of the spirit you'll you'll never this this whole thing called the kingdom of God and how it functions you not only will you not enter it you won't you won't even realize that it's there and so we've been in this series about okay what does it mean to be spirit born and we've been looking specifically at uh first Corinthians Paul talks to the the church at Corinth which was the original sin city about the spirit and how the Spirit works in their worship. And, and really, he dedicates three chapters to this focus of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Spirit and how they, they, they come out and manifest themselves in times of worship. So that's chapters 12 and 13 and 14. And today we're in the second half of chapter 14. And so if you brought your Bibles, I invite you to, to open them up and look at it. And uh, uh, I'm going to put the words on the, on the screen. And if you would like to, you can just follow along on the screen. Stephen put the word on the screen. There we go. Beginning in uh, verse 26, he says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, like Rico. Uh, one will teach, like me. Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, like, I don't know, maybe one of you. And another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done, must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if one, per- one is present who can, who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy, and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak and one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns for God is not a God of disorder but of peace as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Now my favorite part. (laughs) Women should be silent during the church meetings. Don't say amen. Don't say it. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. We're coming back to it. Don't worry. Or do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you Next slide, you. There we go. If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and don't forbid speaking in tongues. The word of the Lord. All right, so how, how many of you have uh, uh, some of those verses like highlighted and starred as, this is my favorite verse in the New Testament? <laughs> Anybody? How many of you have these words crocheted on a wall somewhere in your house? Oh, you picked different ones. Hmm. All right, uh, uh, let's start with the tough stuff first. All right, let's start with the tough stuff first. Verse, uh, verse 34 and verse 35. I, I know you already know this, but it says, Women should be silent during the church meeting. It's not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. All right, who wants my job right now? So, a couple of ways. Uh, I, I want to move through this uh, this a little bit quicker because uh, we've got some other stuff. Um, uh, but, but I want to I, I want to talk to you about a couple of ways this text has been been viewed, been exegeted, been explained, been addressed. Uh, one of the ways that this text has been uh, explained is that Paul is making a blanket statement to all women across all time. Um, that all women at all points in time in a worship service should be quiet. And if you have questions, save them to later. Now, that is one way of looking at this text, and if that's your preference, I. Right, I, I totally grant you your opinion, but in Adam's opinion, and there'll be a lot of that today, um, this is the easiest one to take off the table, uh, that that this Paul is making some sort of blanket statement to all women across all time. Um, and, and I think there are good reasons you can take that off the table, is if you look even in uh, in Acts chapter 21... Uh, uh, and even three chapters earlier in Corinthians, if you look in Corinthians uh, chapter 12, you see that women are both praying and prophesying in the corporate worship time. Did you hear that? So this was actually happening as part of the corporate worship. Even in the Old Testament, we know that there were women prophets. If you guys remember 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, or, or I'm sorry, chapter 22. Uh, It's an amazing scene where Josiah becomes king of Israel and and the temple has been ransacked and and they're kind of excavating. They're doing archeological digs and what they find is they discover the remnants of the temple and as they dig deeper and deeper and deeper, they actually discover the book of the law or we might say the Torah, right? The first five books of the Old Testament and it has, I know it's hard for us to imagine, but the Torah has been completely lost. It's lost from the culture and the faith. It's lost from the people of Israel. But they rediscover it like Indiana Jones. I don't know. And when they discover the book of the law in 2 Kings, they bring it out and they open it and look at it, but no one understands what it says. This is a really fascinating story. They don't even know what they're looking at. That's how far separated they are from God and his teaching and his word. And so what do they do with this book of the law? Anyone remember this story? they take it to a prophetess, a woman named Huldah, because they know that Huldah will know the words and be able to explain them to the people. You know what Huldah does? Huldah speaks the word of the Lord over the entire people. So, is Paul making a blanket statement about all women for all time? I kind of don't think so. I think more likely he is speaking to some specific situation. Uh, if you could imagine, uh, uh, and, and maybe this is, feel free to, to discount all this or just strike Adam's sermon from, from the record, I know you do that anyway, but um, I imagine that Paul is not pinning this letter by hand, but he has a secretary. And Paul is, uh, I imagine him in some oil lamp lit room or maybe outside in the sunlight pacing back and forth and he is, he is speaking the words that some secretary, some scribe is frantically writing down. Now, when you talk and walk, uh, are, do your thoughts always come out in incredibly logical order? Or is it kind of a flowing movement of thoughts? I think if you look at 1 Corinthians especially, you see that, that that Paul's thoughts kind of jump around. Now, just imagine, and this is just a presupposition. I'm not saying this is fact. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But now imagine that while Paul is talking and walking, he is actually holding a letter from the church in Corinth that is outlining some of the issues that church is facing. And so as he is talking and, uh, and walking, he's actually looking down at this letter and addressing some specific things that that church was dealing with. Now, here's the hard part. We don't have that letter. We don't know exactly what was happening in the Corinthian church, and so what we have to do is a kind of mirror reading, which is inherently dangerous, and I admit that, so we have to look at Paul's writing and then try to try to gauge. Okay, what is what is he specifically writing to? Does that make sense? Uh, in uh, in German, it's called "Sitz in Leben." It, it means situation in life. What is the context? Because context is incredibly important. Uh, how many of you just walk around uh, singing "Happy Birthday"? You don't just walk. You don't just like that song. It doesn't just come to your mind when you're in the car driving to work. You're not just singing "Happy Birthday." Uh, how many of you ladies uh, go grocery shopping in your wedding dress? That doesn't happen. Why not? Context is important, right? And if you if you took these things, if you take these things out of context, they appear what? Strange. <laughs> odd, um, maybe even difficult to understand. So I think uh, more likely when Paul is speaking to women, I don't think he's making a blanket statement. I think he's speaking to a specific situation. Uh, Compound that with, um, this was a very patriarchal society. Um, and you can argue back and forth about that all you want, but it, it's just the way it was. And and even in our own history, uh, even a hundred years ago, you would see, even here in the U.S., probably a pretty patriarchal society still. Agreed? Is that fair to say? It's just the way it was. Uh, and so... Uh, in, in that society, men were pre- predominantly educated, women weren't. In that society, men had had the lead, they had, they had headship, they were, they were given authority, they were, they were raised up, they were, uh, they were given specific positions and power, and, and I think that's just the way it was. And some have said that, that maybe the context is Paul is just trying to keep the societal peace and, and not make trouble in this church right? Um, I I say, okay, maybe, but I want to talk about the greater witness of scripture because I I think the greater witness of scripture is that man is the head of the house and, and even talks very, scripture as a whole talks very much about wives are to submit to your husbands, right? You guys familiar with this? I do a lot of weddings, but nobody wants that piece included anymore, just tell you. But if you read a little bit further, what you discover is that the man's job is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, I think I've told you this story, but my wife and I, we have this banter sometimes. If I ever say, Amy, you just need to submit, she will say, well, you need to die which is what, how Christ loved the church, right? Like, I mean, he gave everything he had for this purpose. And so I, I think it's important to note that, that man's relationship toward his wife in Scripture is not characterized by dominance, but self-sacrifice. And if you look deeper the context of chapter 14 is all about peace and orderliness is that a word it is now peace and order in worship together look what it, look what it says in verse 40 but be sure that everything everything is done remember he's talking about your time together when everyone is in this thing together Be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Is it so hard to imagine That Paul, as he paces, is holding some letter of report detailing maybe what's going on in this church, some struggle that they're having. Is it so hard to imagine that in a city filled with travelers and foreigners and even worshipers of other gods, remember Corinth is the place that has the temple of Aphrodite and all of the priestesses of the temple of Aphrodite who come into the city to practice their religion. Is it so hard to imagine that there might be some women in the worship time That are just getting a little out of order. That are maybe even trying to run the show. I think we see that in other places in scripture. Don't say amen to that. (laughs) So I want to give you Adam's interpretation I, and this is, this is super tough to do. I, I mean, I've been a part of churches that have spent years looking. I'm, I'm from the Church of Christ. So I don't know if you know what this means for, for me. Some of you may, may know. Um, uh, I've been a part of churches that have, that have spent year-long studies as a church talking about women's roles in the church and what that looks like and what that could be and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to give you Adam's interpretations of the role of women in the church and in the kingdom of God. Feel free to, like I said, disavow any knowledge of me. Um, Do we have women as elders here at Aspen Grove Christian Church? Yes or no? No. Oh, man, I'm going to get so much trouble. Um, Will we ever have women as elders here at Aspen Grove Christian Church? Yes or no? What do you think? (laughs) Here's what, yeah, right now. Here's here's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, maybe I would I would answer your question with a question, like a good rabbi. Does, did the people of Israel ever to expect ever expect to have a woman judge leading them? No. Did they have women judges lead them? Yes. Um, man, I'm I'm on such thin ice. Uh, I, don't, I don't see, uh, uh, maybe this is just me personally. I, I mean, I, can, I couldn't predict if we would have women elders or not. Um, I would say right now there, there would have to be some big changes, even even in some of our, our structured documents. But what I would say to that is, uh, does that mean we value women less or, or that they, are, they, they somehow have less worth than men at Aspen Grove? And to that I would say absolutely not. Absolutely not. If anything, in Scripture, I think, I think Scripture sings the value and worth of women. Sometimes Proverbs 31 has been used as this club to beat women over the head with, if you know that, if you're familiar with that. It's, you know, sometimes it's used as, well, why aren't you just like this woman in Proverbs 31 who can do everything? But that's not, that's a, I think that's an erroneous interpretation. I, I, I think... Proverbs 31 is a song in praise of all of the things that women bring and offer and are capable of. And I think scripture sings the value of worth of women and I hope at Aspen Grove we do too. Uh, one of my first memories of Aspen Grove, in fact, when we were visiting um, seven years ago this Sunday, um, Amy and I our very first meeting here. Uh, there was a woman uh, named Pat Vaught. You guys remember Pat, some of you maybe. Uh, at that time, uh, different people were leading the communion thoughts every week, and Pat thought that Sunday, got up and led the communion thoughts here at, here at Aspen Grove. And I, nudged, I I leaned over and elbowed Amy. I said, Grandma's leading communion. This is awesome. And if you guys know Pat, she was this incredible woman of faith. Incredible and what she offered was, was meaningful and deep and helpful and good and insightful. And here's the test maybe that, that I would give you. When it comes to prophecy or when it comes to spiritual gifts, um, and, and maybe you've heard me say this before, when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to spiritual gifts, the message always trumps the messenger. I think it is just plain silly to imply that because you are a woman, or because you are black, or because you are from the Philippines, that that the word you have received from God is somehow invalid. Are you with me? I think the message always trumps the messenger. Even in 1 Corinthians, he talks about we together are the body of Christ. And one part can't say to another part, well, you're you're somehow less important or not essential. In fact, he says every part, every part is essential and none more valuable than another. And what I would say is as a church, we want to be a place where everyone, everyone, regardless of age, regardless of, of, of race or sex, is given the opportunity to share and express the spirit God has given them. Amen? Amen. Um, provisions. <laughs> Let me add some provisions to that. So uh, to the best of my ability, I want to encourage the spirit that each of you has. Uh, I want you to I invite you to share it. Uh, man, woman, slave, or free Jew or Gentile. I want, you to invite, I want to invite you to share the spirit God has given you, but I want to put some provisions on this. Uh, in First John chapter four verse one, he says, "To test every spirit to see whether they are from God. Test every spirit." What he says, and, and what I would say is that I don't get a free pass just because I'm the guy on the stage with the microphone. Is that fair? Just because I'm here and the lights are pointing at me doesn't mean that I get a free pass, that automatically you have to go, oh, well, the spirit God's given him, that's definitely the right spirit. That's not what he says. He says to test every spirit. And and I think this is a fair test for us, especially if you're in a debate of guys sharing or girls sharing or what's happening here. What I would say is, man, it's it's not a matter of who is sharing. And I think any emphasis on, on the person sharing is to really miss the point. Uh, The prophets of the Old Testament weren't, weren't, they didn't even want to be prophets in most cases, if you look at it carefully, right? And what was important was not the prophet, but what was important was the prophecy. What was important was the message. And I think that's the point we need to test, regardless of who it comes from or where it comes from. And the test of that spirit, of that message that comes out of you, there's a couple of simple tests. Uh, One is, does the message, does the spirit that comes from that person, does it benefit them or does it benefit the kingdom of God, right? Very little I see in in scripture does the the prophet's message benefit the prophet. Mostly it got them killed. So this spirit that's coming out of this person, is this a a kingdom spirit or is this a self-spirit? I think that's the first test. Uh, another test, and maybe a, a even over priority over the one I just mentioned, is is the gift that is shared consistent with God's word, with the teachings of the Bible, with the life of Jesus, right? This seems a pretty simple test, right? Is this consistent with what we know of Jesus and his teaching? Well, the spirit of the Lord told me it's totally okay for me to commit adultery on my wife. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that spirit, right? Is that consistent with God's word? With the life and teaching of Jesus. I don't think so. I think that's the second test. And then Paul, really, if you look carefully in chapter 14, adds an additional test test every spirit. Paul goes on to say is it orderly? Is it helpful? Is it peaceful? We keep coming back to this idea. Paul says, hey, I I actually spoke in tongues more than any of you, but I would rather say five understandable words that help than 10,000. If you look in verse 26, I want to go back to this just for a few minutes, and you guys are doing great. Thanks for paying attention. In verse 26, at the beginning of this, he says, let me summarize this this whole spirit-filledness in worship. He says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing and another will teach and another will tell some special revelation God has given him. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. All right, so the first thing that I want you to see is this is a very different kind of church. Um, uh, It's a different kind of church from from what we experience a, a lot of times today. In this church was one person coming up and giving a teaching and everyone else listening. Is that what's happening? Maybe, but it seems like there were more people involved, right? It wasn't just one. It wasn't that, that the special revelation of God came to one person, but anyone who received that revelation, would they have an opportunity? And you see in the next few verses, he says, line up. Maybe two or three of you share this, and two or three of you share this, and two or three of you share this. Do it in an orderly fashion for sure. But there's a couple of things that, that he presupposes about this, right? That in this worship time, the Spirit of God is going to be discerned not through one head, but through every head that everyone is gonna have some role to play. And it's a very different uh, than, than some of our churches today. Um, it, it is the difference between a spectator and participant. If one person speaks and one person leads a song and, and everyone else is treated as an audience, what are some of the potential side effects of that kind of, kind of church? Can you think of any? What's the side effect of, of the people of the church being treated as spectators? If, if I'm a spectator, I'm just gonna go to the best show in town, right? Right? If I'm a spectator, how important is it that, that I'm at church or not? Does it really matter? Right, because you're just showing up. The show's gonna happen one way or another whether you're there or not because you're just a spectator, right? If you're just a spectator, how important are the spiritual gifts God's given you? Are they gonna be empowered or encouraged? How much ownership are you gonna take over your spiritual gifts and and are you gonna have opportunity to develop them? It'd be pretty hard if you're just a spectator, right? How much opportunity will you have to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ if you're just a spectator? You see, I think Paul encourages participation. I know this is a little bit of a dangerous thing, but but he, he sees a church that is inherently participatory. He encourages the use and the application of personal spiritual gifts. Um... And, and, I, and I think there's a little bit of a warning here. And, and the warning maybe is, if, if you're not somehow growing and developing the spirit that God has placed in you, the real danger of something that you have that you don't use is that it will eventually atrophy and die. Maybe even some of you have those thoughts and those feelings of, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is and I don't know how I would use it and I don't know where it would apply. Already, the seeds of atrophy have been planted. But Paul combats that, and, and at least in the Corinth church, right, you see people being invited to actively share the spirit that God has given them, and the result is that it strengthens the whole. Each piece is seen as essential, not just needed, but necessary as a part of the church, uh, each is in, encourages and empowers the spirit uh, that that Scripture says is in each one of you. Right? That's what it says. That don't don't you know that you are the temple of God? You just sang a song about you know like God's presence in you. But what opportunity are you being given for that to come out? And so uh, we actually did this with our our children's ministry this morning at nine o'clock. Uh, because we're weird. <laughs> we led worship, and then we just gathered the kids around and we said, hey, we, we love you and we want you to know that when Jesus said, hey, I will, I will never leave you or forsake you, like we, we think that's true and that we believe that, that even you, that God has, wants to speak into you and wants to pour his spirit into your life and that he, is in, he, he has the ability through his spirit to speak through you and use you. You know what they thought? cool (laughs) you know they instantly like superpower awesome you know it's it's funny how our our kids get this stuff our kids totally recognize that there is a spiritual world when sometimes we as adults have relegated the whole spirit and the whole thing to like the the way of the easter bunny right and so what we did with our kids was we want to encourage and, and challenge and, and grow that spirit in them. And I said, okay, why don't I just want you to go spend a few quiet moments. I want you to listen. Uh, just just spend a few quiet moments. Listen for God to speak to you. And whatever He gives to you, I just want you to come back and, and speak into the microphone, and we're just going to give you a chance to share it. And I said, I'm going to give you provisions. Here are the provisions. Is it helpful? Is it encouraging? Does it strengthen the kingdom or, or strengthen other people? And so they went and they did and they spent three minutes. They did really good. They listened really hard. And then they came back and they shared. Some shared. Some said, I don't know. Some said, you know, I had all these other thoughts. It was really hard for me to listen. Isn't that important for us to know? But some did offer. And what they offered was good, and helpful, and important, right? So, I think you can do what our kids did. Here's what I'm gonna try to do. Uh, we are going to have, for lack of uh, better, better words, we're gonna have open mic time this morning. <laughs> Some of you introverts just died inside a little bit. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to dismiss you to a time of communion, and we have the table set around the room. Man, this, I think this is a great space, but we have a microphone right up here up front, and what I'm going to do is just, I'm just going to invite you. If, if the Spirit of God has spoken to you, this week, or today, if you have a word that is helpful, or good, or encouraging, uh, a word of, uh, of thanks, even, or a word of blessing to share, I'm just going to invite you, as, as we have this time, and the guys are just going to come up and play acoustically behind me, uh, I'm just going to invite you to come and share it. It doesn't have to be long. If it's a sermon, we'll test that spirit and tackle you off, you know, like, um, you know, Paul said, hey, five words, Five words that help can make a difference. Would you believe that the Spirit is actually speaking to you and wants to use you to bless, to encourage, to lift up? Man, I I think if we could somehow harness that. Well, in the New Testament, when they're able to do this, you know what they see? Incredible kingdom growth, that's what happens. The spirit of God discerned through the community. So in just a minute, I'm gonna say a prayer and I'll move the mic up here to the front, encourage you to share, create some moments to share, give you a couple of reminders just about this. Remember, it's not who shares that is important, but the content of what is shared, the spirit of what is shared. Our provisions remain in place. Um, we're going to test what you say. <laughs> that's an okay thing, right? Each and every one of us, regardless of who you are, what you say, the spirit you offer is going to be tested. We're going to test to see if it's consistent with God and his word and the life of Jesus. But we're also going to see, is it, is it orderly and peaceful? Is it helpful? Does it offer some strength to this church as we seek to grow followers of Jesus Christ. All right, so everyone know what we're going to do? Are you okay with it? All right, let me say a prayer, and I'll dismiss you to this time. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for the chance to share. Uh, but Father God, we, we believe that your word is living and active, that, that through the power of your spirit, you extend your word in, to us and, and, and somehow through us. So, Father God, I pray that every person here in, in the deep places of, of their heart would recognize the spirit that you have planted in them. Maybe this has been a spirit that they've, they've tried to ignore or, or, or push to the side. But, Father God, I pray that in these moments it would bubble up, that it would come pouring out of us, that the, out of the overflow of our heart, Father God, that, that we would speak words to strengthen and to bless, to bring peace, and to be help, Father God, we uh, we think this is the perfect space to do this. In light of Your Son's sacrifice, in light of His life, in light of His His death, His burial, and His resurrection, Father God, we 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 think this is a great space for You to speak. And so, Father God, I I, I pray encouragement for maybe some of those that are feeling a little bit timid in this space, and and we understand that. So just know that there's a gentle. Gentle invitation to share and to bless. Father God, stir in us deeply your spirit. Let us be spirit-born, spirit-filled people. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. I'll set the microphone right up here and invite you to share.